0: This spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by GitGuardian. GitGuardian helps secure the software development lifecycle by automating secrets detection for application security and data loss prevention purposes. GitGuardian solutions monitor public and private repositories in real time, detecting secrets and alerting staff to allow investigation and quick remediation. GitGuardian helps developers, operations, security, and compliance professionals secure software development Define and enforce policies consistently and globally across all of their systems. Check them out at GitGuardian.com. Hello and welcome to a spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by GitGuardian. In this episode of the podcast,
1: if you search on GitHub for removed AWS key as the commit (laughs) message, you know, you will get thousands (laughs) of results. Um, People people will do that.
0: Given enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. That is Linus's law, formulated by Eric Raymond in his 1999 essay, The Cathedral and the Bazaar, and named after Linus Torvalds, the creator of the Linux kernel. It speaks to a hidden value of open source code. With enough people looking at it, security and quality issues will quickly bubble up to the top, improving security, not undermining it. But with open source culture now firmly entrenched, open source code, part and parcel of nearly every software development project, and with massive online repositories of source code at the fingertips of a population of billions of internet users, A corollary to Linus's law has emerged. Given enough eyeballs, all secrets are shallow too. In other words, having thousands of open source developers crawling over your source code may expose hidden flaws, but it may also reveal secrets you weren't aware were buried in your code or hoped that nobody would notice. In fact, Secret sprawl, as it's come to be known, is a growing security risk for organizations of all types. Malicious actors are known to be on the hunt for API keys, SSH credentials, and other sensitive information buried in source code repositories. Experiments by researchers using honeypot credentials suggest that the window between a secret being published to a public source code repository like GitHub and those same credentials falling into the hands of malicious actors may be measured in minutes rather than hours, days, or weeks. The likelihood of that happening is also growing, as developers use platforms like GitHub to manage both personal and professional development work, increasing the likelihood of cross-contamination and security lapses. To talk about the phenomena of secrets sprawl, we invited Mackenzie Jackson into the studio. He's a developer advocate at the firm GitGuardian, which makes technology to help detect and block secret sprawl via platforms like GitHub. In this conversation, Mackenzie and I talk about the problem of secret sprawl within development organizations and the types of sensitive information that companies are inadvertently leaking via their published source code. We also talk about ways that companies can get their arms around the problem of secret sprawl. To start off, I asked Mackenzie to tell us a little bit about GitGuardian and the
1: work that they do. I'm Mackenzie Jackson. I'm the developer advocate uh, or evangelist at GitGuardian. Developer evangelist, that's a great title,
0: actually. Um, Tell us a little bit about the work you do and also for our listeners who might not be familiar with GitGuardian, uh, what GitGuardian does.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, de- developer evangelist uh, or developer advocate. Sometimes, I uh, when I use the evangelist title, I, I get interesting uh, messages on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about your deity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's code security. <laughs> I'm, I'm in shin switching. Uh, but yeah, so uh, as a as a developer evangelist or advocate, it's essentially uh, my job to. Uh, teach and educate uh, developers about code security. So the, the great thing is I, I get to I do that fairly uh, independently from Git Guardian. You know, we're not not part of the, the, the marketing or sales team so much, but, uh, you know, trying to, to build awareness to the problems and then also kind of provide uh, solutions for that. So uh, a little bit about Git Guardian now is... Well, we specialize in detecting uh, secrets inside source code. And so when I refer to secrets, I'm I'm really talking about digital authentication credentials. And these are typically things like API keys, security certificates, really anything that's meant to be used in a programmatical way uh, that often ends up within our source code.
0: So I think our listeners are probably quite familiar with with GitHub. I mean, we've got a fairly technical listenership. Um, GitGuardian might be new to them. Talk a little bit about the GitGuardian platform and kind of what the relationship is to
1: a platform like GitHub. GitGuardian, we we try and protect source code in a number of different ways. So I think maybe we start uh, right at what GitGuardian was founded upon. And it was uh, that the two founders, the, the CTO and the CEO, Eric Foyer and Jeremy Thomas, And they were uh, coding the both developers and decided to do a little bit of an experiment and see what kind of sensitive information they could find on GitHub. And they weren't really expecting to find anything uh, too major. But in their small experiment that they did, they found this huge number of credentials that were leaked in public GitHub repositories. And they realized that a lot of these credentials, even though they may have been leaked by on, on personal accounts, actually belong to organizations. And so they kind of realized that, well, there is a, a big problem here, um, and there's kind of a few ways to really come at this. So number one is really what I'm surrounded in, and that's giving developers education and tools to prevent secrets from ending up in GitHub, giving organizations the tools to be able to monitor their GitHub repositories, scan them and be alerted when secrets are in there. And then also giving these larger organizations ways to be able to monitor what's actually happening in the public ecosystem. So, you know, there's two and a half million commits made every single day on GitHub, obviously a tiny percentage, but still a huge number. Um, You know, nearly 5,000 commits a day contain secrets. So giving organizations the ability to be able to monitor What's happening with their secrets out in the public ecosystem?
0: No, I mean I know you know GitHub's one platform. There's also like GitLab. I mean, you know, SourceForge is it? Or is is GitGuardian specific to one to to GitHub in particular?
1: No. So we we cover integrations into all of the major uh, VCS platforms. When we're talking about uh, public monitoring, we are specific to GitHub because. Uh, just by sheer volume of what happens in the public space, this is the platform where, you know, you have your open source projects, even if you're using GitLab for your internal repositories, you know, by a factor of a thousand or so, uh, the public activity on GitHub is is so much more widespread. So that's where we really focus our attention.
0: Fish where the fish are, as they say. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You call it secret sprawl is sort of the term you use to describe this phenomena. Could you just describe what secret sprawl is and and kind of what types of data or credentials are are part of this phenomena?
1: Yeah, I, I love the word secret sprawl so much because it kind of it creates this image of kind of an alien almost sprawling through the but yeah. so when we when we Talking about secret sprawl, you know, ultimately we're talking about the unwanted distribution of secrets. So when we take your, your API keys, your uh, your security certificates, your database pairs, credential pairs, you know, these are highly highly sensitive things, but they're also widely distributed amongst your team members. There and they're very easy to lose track of. So you can imagine if a secret ends up inside a Git repository, even if it's private, it's going to be cloned onto multiple different machines. It's going to be backed up into uh, different areas, into different locations. Uh, it's going to end up on your internal wikis. Maybe it will be shared uh, with between developers and internal messaging systems. And, and ultimately what you have is you have this secret that has been cloned into multiple different places and you have no visibility ultimately, over where this ended up. So if there is a breach, if a malicious actor is able to gain access to a private Git repository, to the messaging system, then they potentially can access all of the sensitive information that may also be there. And so we call that secret sprawl. When you've lost kind of visibility over where your secrets are. And ideally what you want is you want your secrets to be stored in a central location where we can wrap lots of authentication layers around this uh, and then securely share that between who needs it. But the reality is, is that that very, you know, really uh, happens a hundred percent of the time. And one of the, what we're trying to do is not only prevent secret sprawl, but also give visibility over secret sprawl. So you can actually identify where it's a problem when it's a problem, and then take action to
0: it. What are the secrets? Um, just just so our listeners know what we're talking about. Obviously, you know, credentials for um, third-party applications or platforms that, that might be um, embedded in code, but but other things as well.
1: Yeah, so I mean, if we take the you know the the main ones, you have, you have the third-party applications. Then you have you know credentials for your infrastructure. You have your encryption keys for storing uh, for storing data. Access to to your databases, uh, all of these different things, and they can be kind of what we might call named services, so Stripe, AWS. Uh, you know, these are th- these third party tools, but they can be secrets or access keys that you create for your internal uh, communications and your internal modules or components that you make up. And when when an attacker, when we look and we break down and do postmortems of these the attacks that we see today even if a credential isn't the initial point of access you know often what attackers are really looking for is gaining access to these credentials to elevate their privileges to move laterally so they're almost always used in an attack with some way or another they can be the initial point of access um, but you know they they may just be part of the attack path that the malicious uh, actor is going down to try and get deeper into your organization.
0: So just to put some some numbers around this phenomena, I think in the last year, GitGuardian detected something like 2 million instances of, of leaked credentials or secrets and sent out, I think, around 900,000 uh, alerts actually to developers uh, uh, about this problem. So it, uh, judging yeah. by that, it's a pretty... Um, it's a pretty widespread problem.
1: Yeah, it's it's a huge number. So yeah, two million are uh, just over two million was what we detected in twenty twenty. So we uh, we scan every single public commit that's made to GitHub. So you know that's two and a half million a day. Um, so there's this huge amount of amount of information, and each day we find about five thousand credentials. And as part of our kind of pro bono activity and what we do to try and help the community is when we find these credentials, if it's possible, if we can track down the developer through the metadata of the commit or through um, the, the account, then we send them out an alert to let them know that, hey, this this AWS key, this this Google key has been leaked in your repository. It's public. Um, <laughs> you may want to do something about it. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a just a huge number and it's actually growing. What we find about 20% year on year at the moment, in line with as kind of more and more code is coming out there, you know, but these this isn't a problem that's getting better.
0: And you know, just to kind of connect the dots to things that folks might have read about in the headlines, um, you know, uh, this type of secret leak was is, is behind a bunch of, um, you know, security incidents, breaches that you may have heard of, Equifax, um, there was a, a UN data breach in January, this is under the covers or under the hood of a lot of incidents that, that may be turning up in the, in the headlines. Is it, is, is that uh, your understanding?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's hard to even keep track of you know, all the, the breaches that relate to credentials, because yeah. as I said, you know, um, you know, the, the ones that, that you mentioned and we can talk about a few more, you know, Uber uh, and Kodakov that where credentials are the initial access point for the attacker. So they've found a credential in a public space, and this is how they've uh, you know, breached into the company, got their initial access, and that's crucial. But when we go uh, deeper, then there's a whole bunch of attacks that have been assisted with credentials even after they've made their initial access. So in the in the case of Uber, which has had you know, multiple breaches, but one, one such case where attackers were able to gain access to a private Git repository belonging to Uber because of uh, poor password hygiene of... One of their employees, so their password was exposed. The attacker was able to gain access to a private Git repository, and then in that Git repository, they found more secrets, which enabled them to move laterally and gain access to sensitive information. So, I, the, the the scale of you know secrets being used is is just absolutely huge, and it's really what attackers are after, because you know there's certain alarm bells that go off when you, when you're trying to break into a company. Um, there's certain patterns that may come up that let the defense team know that there's something not right. But when you've correctly authenticated yourself in these systems, you have the correct authentication and you're really not going outside the scope of what your security team is expecting. It's really difficult to even know that you have been breached. And it gives attackers opportunity to squat, uh, remain undetected for long periods of time gain that information gain that trust and then launch an attack from there uh, that is far more widespread than what it could have been
0: right you're listening to a spotlight edition of the security ledger podcast sponsored by git guardian and you you point out as well that that there are that there are links between this problem and even more endemic problems like password reuse and 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 weak, you know, passwords, just poor password hygiene, right? Insofar as developers who might have sloppy password habits may reuse a password between GitHub and some other service, right? And and that may lay open their developer account to a malicious actor who gets a hold of those credentials.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly right. And and uh, this is kind of the greater problem of the secret sprawl is that uh, once you lose track of where your secrets are, once once they're sprawled into many locations, then uh, an attacker only needs to gain access into to, to those locations uh, to be able to to be able to launch that attack. So uh, if you have secrets lying around on machines, and and an employee uh, leaves his machine open and goes to the to the bathroom in a cafe, which a lot of people are working remote now, then, you know, we we, there, there may be there may be uh, make your call. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's lots of different ways that attackers can gain access to these, yeah. To these secrets. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the ways that we focus on and we talk about a lot is of course, uh, them being leaked into public spaces. But there's a bigger problem here that we need to solve, which is which is kind of making sure that these secrets aren't sprawled, are centrally located mm-hmm. and you know are, are protected.
0: So you point out that one of the one of the issues here is that you know kind of in the very nature of the GitHub platform that developers might manage both um, you know proprietary or commercial, uh, repositories and personal projects via, of course, one one UI one instance of GitHub, and that there's this um, proximity of their personal uh, projects and their professional projects, and that that creates the opportunity for mistakes, uh, either proprietary code being entered into their personal repositories, or or I guess vice versa. But um, talk just a little bit about that, and what, if anything, is to be done about that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, because when we enter into this topic, uh, we're talking also about this kind of blurred line between professional and personal, that we're it's really been accelerated. So, I mean, we, we talked a little bit before about you know remote work due to the pandemic just being accelerated. So, we're using you know the same computers, we're using the same Git accounts uh, for everything that we're doing. This, this delineation isn't gone, it not there? So, I mean, one thing obviously it makes it extremely easy if we're using the same authentication to be able to accidentally push code that's meant for your professional private repository into uh, a personal public repository, for example. Um, It makes it, you know, very easy. But it also means that there is this blurred line where organizations don't have control uh, and they can't enforce security over what you do personally. I mean, they don't really have the authority to kind of control what you're putting out there in the public uh, space and your personal projects. So whilst we can implement policies for organizational-related Uh, you know, repositories or activities, and we can enforce these to some degree. We're really blind when it comes to what our employees are doing uh, personally. And with this blurred link between professional and and personal life, it's very easy for these professional keys to end up on personal repositories. And in fact, uh, what we found is that of the keys that we detected which we know belong to organizations, so corporate API keys, corporate credentials. Eighty-five percent of them were leaked on employees' personal public repositories. So the most amount of leaks that you face as an organization are going to come from your employees accidentally uh, pushing them to to public spaces.
0: Mm. And how does that happen practically, just so if our listeners aren't familiar with like how a platform like GitHub works, like how do you, how do you fat finger it as a developer on GitHub and end up pushing those credentials out to an insecure, you know, personal uh, project that you might also be hosting?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a number of ways that it, it can happen. You may be working on a, a personal project and you you may, uh, we can see sometimes that projects are forked from uh, company repositories. Um, you know, starting, starting again to get some kind of base deep in the Git history. Uh, so when you clone that project, you're cloning the history of it too. And uh, there may be keys leaked out there in the history. You may push that publicly thinking that that's all kind of your own work and you just use that as a guide. But in that history, you may expose company information. Uh, it might be that you're kind of working on something personal, but in it with some professional relationships. So one thing that we we find and we're particularly interested is Slack keys, because we know that attackers use these Slack keys either to kind of gain access into private messages or to launch phishing campaigns so it Mm -hmm. looks more official. And so we find that a lot of people will kind of take on these personal projects of building a little Slack bot that does something on their work Slack channel may not need necessarily related to what they're doing at work. And so therefore they put it on their personal repository and they make it public and then you've got your corporate keys in there. So that's, you know, another way. And then uh, one of the most common areas is just accidentally pushing code into the wrong repository. You've, you've misconfigured with your terminal and, and how you're doing it. And you just push it into the, to the wrong repository. And all of a sudden it's public and you know, there's this really tricky uh, area is that when you make a mistake like that, you know, you often can pick it up quite quickly and your knee jerk reaction is just to delete, you know, get it, or either delete the keys and commit over top of them or just delete the repo. But what people don't understand is that, you know, places like GitHub are monitored constantly by, by bad actors. Um, you know, we monitor it. We, we We can leak a kind of a honeypot Uh, token, and it can be exploited within a few minutes from an attacker. These also are backed up uh, across the place. GitHub is backed up uh, in lots of different locations. So, you know, even if you delete it, if you commit over it, it's still going to be there in the history. If you delete the entire repository, the chances are someone's already found it. Mm. And then this intersects
0: with kind of long-standing kind of loosey-goosey developer behavior like, you know, for early versions, you know, non-production code, you know, you might hard code in credentials just to save yourself a lot of work or to make things run smoothly and test. And then, of course, you know, when you're when you get to production or shipping you know you remove those credentials <laughs> although frankly there're plenty of examples of of companies not removing those credentials but but as you point out doesn't matter so much in github because all that or that code history is part of the record and 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 therefore you know if you did that at any point in development arguably those credentials are exposed
1: that's ex- exactly right and uh, you know, and things and people kind of rely on a lot of things like code reviews. But, you know, when you, when you're talking about a code review, you know, if I'm quickly trying to get something to work, I'm working on my own independent branch. So I hard code some credentials, I get it all running. And then later on, before I merge that into my master branch, you know, I clean it up because I know people are going to look at it. I delete the hard coded credentials. And then when the reviewer comes to see it, they're looking at the latest version. They're comparing it to the master branch and there's, you know, and it all looks great to them. They pull that in. Unbeknownst to them there are credentials in that history now it's very hard for you to be able to find them as the reviewer or you know even as the organization but an attacker that's specifically looking for those is going to be able to find them in a few seconds so and and you know we've talked a lot about public repositories but you know it's just as important to keep private repositories free from these credentials because as we've you know we've talked about, attackers can gain access to these, and in a lot of cases, they're really targeting these. So you know, and they're just a known treasure chest of information, sensitive data, because the histories are just so rich. and it's you know it's very hard to without automated tools to be able to get visibility into your history.
0: You know that sometimes developers make the job super easy by putting comments with a commit like removed secrets from repo.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you search on GitHub for removed AWS key as the commit message, <laughs> yeah, no, you will get. If you search <laughs> on GitHub for removed AWS key as the commit message, <laughs> yeah, no, you will get thousands of results. Mm. Um, people, people will do that. And yeah. um, if it gets deleted or if it's no longer valid so we'll do a validity check so for instance we'll we'll check that this aws key not only looks like an aws key but it actually gives me gives me access to a system you know Mm -hmm. and so we'll check uh periodically over time is that secret still there has it been Mm -hmm. removed is it still valid so Mm -hmm. we can see that a lot of these secrets Uh, you know, maybe they're committed over, uh, maybe they're removed completely, but they remain valid uh, for a Mm -hmm. a long period of time. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a huge huge problem and a little bit of a misunderstanding about like what we're facing with technology like Git.
0: Right, right. And and, um, so I I guess one question would be, what can organizations do? Let's say you know, a organ development organization of any size uh, almost certainly has a problem uh, around secret sprawl. Um, what can they do? I I don't get the sense that it's sort of the die is cast, and once the secrets are out there, then then um, then you're you're just screwed. Um, what can organizations do to clean up this mess? Uh, first of all, figure out what the what the dimensions of it are within their organization, and and then take steps to really clean it up and uh, remove the exposure, the risk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. So, I mean, I I think there's kind of, there's really four areas that that you can do. I I think the number one, the most important area is to, uh, you know, implement secret detection on your systems to make sure that your repositories are clean, including their history um, and that you're running from a clean basis. So that's definitely kind of the first point uh, to make sure that yeah, there's there's nothing lying around, and that you have a way to actually handle and store these secrets securely. The the second area can come on the really the developers side. So, you know, uh, it's not enough to really tell people, okay, adding secrets into source code is bad. Don't do it. Uh, it's almost never malicious that these happen. We're humans. We, we handle sensitive information and we're going to make mistakes. So we have a, a tool called GG Shield. It's an open source project and it allows, you know, it's specifically designed for developers and it allows them to be able to install, say, a pre-commit check, a pre-commit hook or you know, a post, post-commit hook where if they commit uh, in their code something with sensitive information, it's going to be picked up before it gets into the git repository and that is really important because once it enters your git repository even if it's private that key needs to be rotated it, it needs to be considered that it's been compromised so you there may be implications with that there may be active systems that are tied to that that you know it's it's not just a simple matter of deleting it issuing a new one but if we can pick them up before that point with a pre-commit hook well, then, you know, you know, you're not red faced going to the team to let them know you did a mistake and you, we can remediate that and we don't have any long lasting impacts from it. And then we can also move on to other areas like making sure that our wider perimeter. So making sure if employees leak keys on their personal uh, repositories, we may not be able to enforce security policies, but we can still monitor uh, that activity. Uh, implementing them, and then also implementing checks on um, you know our finished applications. We we find a lot of secrets in areas like Docker images. So running running automated scans on your Docker images once they've been built. Um, so all all these imp- implementations. But I think you know number one, clean up your house first. <laughs> Make sure you haven't got any you know dirty laundry lying around in your repositories, and then give the give your employees the tools that they need to be able to uh, take action themselves. And, you know, and and take some ownership over the security problem.
0: So your data and your data, that you've got some really interesting information or insights into you know, where this is particularly a problem, kind of what uh, countries, for example. Are, are there any real clear patterns as to whether this is a problem that is concentrated in certain types of organizations or even certain populations of developers? Or is it really kind of an endemic problem that's just everywhere and maybe it varies based just on how much software development is going on in that that particular place.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've tried to find patterns in um, in kind of areas and we can find some, you know, like India is the number one country for, yeah. for, for leaked credentials, but they also have a huge uh, engineering population. Indeed. Uh, And we've also tried to find patterns around the type of developers that leak credentials. And of course, uh, you know, your junior developers are going to leak a little bit more. But we also find that when we're talking about the serious incidents, well, it's actually really kind of across the board. What we're talking about is a mistake, you know, human error that can happen in a number of different ways. And we can't find any clear data that really shows that this is the profile that is most at risk. It's actually just a problem that can affect uh, everyone. And, you know, we see this with senior engineers as much as as junior when we're talking about the the kind of the real corporate keys that are being leaked. It's just a very widespread problem. And it doesn't seem to be any really clear patterns over who the persona is that is kind of most mm-hmm. at risk for a company.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Mackenzie, is there anything that I didn't ask you that
1: I should have? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think we covered, we covered uh, just about everything in, in, in here. I think yeah. we've got a, a good range and I uh, don't want to overwhelm uh, everyone yeah. <laughs> too much with uh, information and doom and gloom.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you've got a solution, right? So they shouldn't feel too gloomy because there are, <laughs> there are things you can do. It's, it's not just uh, you know, we're all screwed.
1: Yeah, absolutely you know and there 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 definitely are things that, that can be done and, and you know this this goes together with a holistic approach to security and and what i really love about the solution is that you know we're not just monitoring uh, these security events and kind of letting it go to the security team the developers are an active part of the conversation and you know they can take ownership of themselves of themselves with with the solution too.
0: Mackenzie Jackson of GitGuardian, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, it's been uh, been great.
0: Mackenzie Jackson is a developer advocate at the firm GitGuardian. He was here to talk with us about the problem of software secrets sprawl. You've been listening to a spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by GitGuardian. GitGuardian helps secure the software development lifecycle by automating secrets detection for application security and data loss prevention purposes. GitGuardian solutions monitor public and private repositories in real time, detecting secrets, and alerting staff to allow investigation and quick remediation. GitGuardian helps developers, operations, security, and compliance professionals secure software development, define and enforce policies consistently, and globally across all of their systems. Check them out at gitguardian.com.